Morning, Mr. Boer. Morning, Mr. Shakeman. How goes this fine morning? Well, it's not too bad, all things considered, I guess. I am enjoying the rain, of course. How do you know it's raining? Ah, I see you've noted our predicament. By predicament, I think you mean the fact that Jeremy's locked us in this basement. That would be the one, yeah. He hasn't bought us any toast. No, and I wouldn't recommend asking for it either, to be honest. Should we just get on with it then? Yeah, let's do that. Toasting design, Shaka Shekman, Michael Boer. Mr. Shekman, what have you learned this week? Well, I mean, as YouTube does in the algorithms, ah, yes, cow hooves it is. No, no, not, not cow hooves, not this particular time. This time it's windows and cars. That's quite a jump. It is. Anyway. It was a brief explanation of how car windows work and how you can wind them up, how you can wind them down. Obviously, um, starting um, from the very fundamental sense. It was interesting almost looking at it as a progressive sense in, in my, one of my new favorite words. In fact, I say new, it's not new, but one of my favorite words, iteration. Ah, yes, the caveat of all designs. Indeed, it is. Anyway, the fundamental thing of, right, let's look at the first function of moving up and down and you want to be able to wind it so you have a crank attached to a gear you then have a effectively a sort of a um, arc gear so it's not a full complete revolution gear and as you wind that then rotates that element that moves an arm upwards that arm is sitting on a slider and that then as that then rotates and as, as the end of that arm lifts up it lifts the window all well and good it technically achieves the fundamental goal however it starts, the, the video actually very nicely then goes into right. You then have an imbalance of loads. Um, and effectively what happens is the moment you do, because you've only got a single contact point, the window can then shift and then now you're not lifting up the window um, evenly. And you might see in really old cars where people have to grab the top of their window as they're winding up to try and keep it straight. This is fixed using a scissor mechanism. So you effectively create two contact points and they pivot around a, a point that is halfway up the arm length of your first arm or first crank. That solves that. But then you have another issue that comes up because in the same way the design always works, there are always problems. And in this particular case, it's what's happening as you're winding the window down, the window basically can then just start to freefall. Gravity is a bit of a nasty one in that particular case. How do you solve that? Rockets? No. Ejection seats, I'm thinking about it. No, 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 no. we're not getting into that. No, a spring, a torsion spring. And what then happens is, as the window then moves down, it effectively loads and absorbs that energy in a spring, which also then means that when you're winding up, it can then be used as a sort of a, an energy storage system that then aids in you lifting it up. Finally, we then have accounting for people being able to, I mean, the whole thing with this mechanism is you could just push down on the window and it would move, right? So other than there being accidents, we're talking about undesired persons trying to get into our vehicles. This is easily sorted with a worm gear because the whole thing is uh, where worm gear works is basically one directional. If you rotate the worm gear, you can get the whole mechanism to move. However, if you try and move the mechanism, a gear on a worm gear can't rotate the worm. So it would lock and you prevent that movement. All right, now fundamentally the entire thing works. Solves the problem, it achieves what it is, it shouldn't get stuck. There are lots of contact points though. I mean, also, by the way, at some point, you could just put a motor in place of a hand crank. Okay, so we, we saw that. But 
There's lots of contact, which means there's energy losses, which means motors need to be bigger, or you need more load in your hand crank, or you need a bigger crank, whatever the case is. How do you do it? You get rid of the entire mechanism and you go um, cable pulley. You then have, it sort of works in a similar fundamental sense, but the advantage then, because you've got less contact points, um, less metal and metal contact points, there's less sort of friction and the system then works better. So we should go with all of, no, let's not even think about it. Let's just get straight into the design. We're going on to our design project this week um, once more. This is the project on the productivity thing. The desk that is so many screens. Yes, exactly that. There is, we've got a large number of screens and my homework this past week has been to look into monitors. You've actually done your homework. I have actually just done my homework. So that all works out well for us. Um, and what I've been having to look at is what can we do with our monitors? You know, what's the smallest monitor we can get? Rather the smallest bezels we can get? How do we necessarily go about that? When I initially posted, and I think it's some of the stuff you initially saw, it's those sort of industrial slash uh, conferences or um, I'm trying to think of the particular word. Uh, I think conferences, is it? All right, let's say conferences. Well, whatever the case is, it's those big sort of screens up top. So it's sort of the way a lot of this, and what I'm going through now is more just about the way we might approach or I approached finding this information. I didn't do it right at the start. Obviously, we're not looking at monitors at that point. In fact, at the start, we didn't know we were going to use monitors. Um, we thought at, at some point, even relatively late in our preliminary development, we were just going to use a single monitor, and then we decided to split them out. The problem with splitting out is that you then have bezels, and what we want is that when all the monitors are together, you get a relatively seamless, or as seamless as possible, single display. So what we want to have then is that the the bezels, the sort of rim, the border around our monitor or our screen is relatively small. And my initial thought in approaching that was let's just get the bland monitor and, or I mean by that I mean the panel. So there's no fixture, there's no power supply, there's no extra electronics and stuff we'd have to do all ourselves. And let's see what we can get with that. The idea was that I would then not need, I could then make it smaller, then it's not a manufacturer trying to do it and keep it safe and, and all that. Although I'd argue that if the, they're trying to keep it safe, we'd want to do the same. You're beating me to the punch. That's ultimately where I'm going here. That's ultimately the story. Uh, but it's where I necessarily, it's at least where I started from. I did look at panels that would kind of go together and you, you can get a lot of um, borderless monitors or borderless screens. Um, that's a little bit easier to achieve, but getting them for ones that are touch sensitive, um, that's a whole other thing entirely. Now, I know you get two different kinds or you get multiple different kinds of touch, whether it's capacitive, whether it requires a special stylus or input device, whether it requires um, you get ones that it's not capacitive so much. It's it's literal touch so that you could even use a pen on it. Bob is going to screw that up. Bob is definitely going to screw that up. So I was looking at what we had. If we had to, I, I could potentially go that route. We, we didn't have to ultimately. Anyway, going through all these various devices and looking at what is available, there are certainly 
in a lot of the searches two main sizes. We've got 10 inches and smaller or 50 inches and larger. Now, let's just start with that sort of information. Here I've got a diagram over here, very nicely drawn. Thank you very much. Anyway, um, diagram of how it would lay out. Now, if we went for the largest we can get of the smaller in scale that the 10 inch size screens, it looks like a bit of a mess. It would also mean that if we're trying to pull out the monitors that that would be atrocious. Yes, it would be like trying to pull out one of those tile uh, mosaic things where you buy in a um, hardware store, they come out on that mat and you sort of can move and fold all over the place. It would be an absolute nightmare. It would be a nightmare. There would be bezels for Kingdom Come. Yeah, no, no, we're not going that potential route. And obviously, if we went to larger in scale, the 55 or the 50 inch size screens, either we've got a huge um, table uh, or we don't pull the monitors out separately. Well, also, you'd have a 50 inch screen in front of you. Yeah, it's, it's not really what you'd call ergonomic. It would cause head strain like the World War I pilots that need neck scars in order to stop them getting strained as a move. Exactly. So let, let's avoid that potential route. I have, however, found a couple 24, 21s, 27-inch screens, some 32s as well. They vary. You get the ones that are built into enclosures, but they are horrendously thick borders. They're really properly overcompensating for safety and uh, preventing accidental damage. And I think it's more the case of it's a more general public use. So it's something that you might see in a shopping center, have people do inputs. Very low resolution, um, not very accurate, but Tommy who goes and throws his forehead at it three times in, in the morning while he waits for his mom to finish shopping, it's not gonna potentially do massive damage to it. All right, Tommy's not working for us, I assume. No, Tommy will not be working with this particular company, so we don't have to worry about Tommy dealing with our monitors. All right, but that, that sort of eliminated that sort of route of, of going in that direction. Going the route then of having monitors, custom making our own monitors, not getting a company to do it, but in fact, I mean, again, maybe getting a company, having one company make our enclosure, one company make our electronics, one company. There are, it, it, I think it's technically feasible. However, in the event that you know so we sell a, a, a product to the company and something goes wrong tommy again not tommy not bobby even Let, let's say something goes wrong let's say one of the monitors then happens to to break we need to be able to replace it exactly we do need to replace it. in fact what we need to be making sure is that how quickly can we replace it a company won't want it where you have to wait three months while your desk is patched work now by either holes in the desk or just some sort of jigsaw pattern thing because their monitors just replaced or gone or under repaired. Exactly. We want it relatively quick. So going that whole route of having a bit here, a bit there, um, sent to this company, right? First, we need to buy the panels from this guy in China. We have to send to this manufacturer in Canada. I mean, maybe we could even do it all in South Africa, but likelihood with sort of costs and things, there's a reason you know, it's outsourced to other countries, invariably they have their own expertise and, and rationale for it. So what we could do then is we could buy all those various aspects in the premium for we put them all, we assemble them, and then we keep spares, right? So company A has, um, instead of just Bob or, or Tommy, 
Tiffany. Tiffany breaks a monitor and we need to then replace it. Or it gets damaged or someone spills coffee. Bert happens to take a shotgun to it. No, we're not counting shotguns at that. I mean, there are extreme situations, but yeah, no, I, don't, I don't think we need to worry about that. But it's an interesting point in looking at how we are potentially needing to replace our system and how we then need to look at ergonomics and how it's going to move. How quickly does it, you know, is it something that they can do themselves and then send it to us? I mean, we could look at that, I guess. It's not something I specifically looked at. I've got the information, I guess. So we can maybe approach this in a little bit more how, what, what have I got? And we can make a decision at the end, but otherwise, maybe not. All right, fair enough. Do you want to proceed? I, I guess I can. All right, anyway. So, of those various panels, you start to see, well, I mean, you need to kind of take a step to the side and say, okay, how, what do you need in a monitor? That's not always the easiest thing to kind of get an information necessarily. You know, you get replacement panels, which is a whole other avenue and led me to some interesting points later on. Um, a bit of back and forth, but uh, I digress. A caveat, as it were. It's not a caveat, but yeah. Caveat to that particular potential story, which I'll get back to later. Anyway, the, I have no idea where I'm going now. You completely derailed that train. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, okay. So, I believe you're talking about the panels and um, making them or getting them outsourced. Yes, something along those lines. We outsource our potential. Oh, putting them all together. That's right. You got there eventually. Trains back on tracks. I'll find another way to push you off. Fair enough. I can. I expect nothing less. But let's keep going. <laughs> all right. So we would need some form of power. Uh, modulator, uh, you know, whatever power comes in, whether it's 12 volt, 220 volt, um, a 5 volt power supply input, we need some way of controlling that in some kind of control board uh, to then send that to the monitor. Now, a lot of the panels you sort of buy, they're meant for other systems, so they're sort of pre-designed for that, or they have the leads for it. And Well, we're getting to a potential design direction where we're not the specialists. You might not be the specialist. Neither of us, Mr. Burrow, are specialists. That, that's just the way that it is. All right, fine, fair enough. So it's a direction that ultimately might end up being cheaper. And if we streamline the process, it could possibly be the best way to ultimately go. But right now at a start, so if we look at the start of, of this sort of product then being sold, what we don't want is worrying about too many issues that could go wrong. So let's start with, show the software works, the program works, the, the premise of what we're integrating with this desk, sort of elevate, you know, sort of suspended from the roof that's able to rotate and have panels move out and be touchscreen, all that. Let's show that works. Let's not rely on something we're not familiar with being the screens at this stage. So let's go for outsource just standard screens complete one piece all made together we just need to plug and play them let's use that rather to start with i think that would probably be the better direction for us to then go and you know later iterations would then 
go for us for, to have to allow us to then go for a, a different kind of monitor. Exactly. So what we could then do later in the same way you have the first product up by a manufacturer looks in a particular way and every subsequent model that then comes out is better in some ways. We're not intentionally making it worse. We're trying to get our foot in the door of this particular market, which according to our research, there is no market for this. So, you know, we got a good step into it. If it costs a little bit more, it might be understood right. That no product like this exists. So it maybe it's a little bit easier to step into it. No product exactly like this exists. Obviously there, there are those interactive whiteboards. We discussed all this already. We have indeed. Anyway, so that then started getting me on to, actually let's just, let me just start looking at what, you know, getting a touchscreen monitor or, or things, not a panel, just a touchscreen monitor. And there are quite a few out there uh, of varying styles, but the specific kind that I'm looking for are ones with thinner bezels. Now, tablets and things, you get, say your Wacom tablets, um, they're drawing tablets, stylus, things. Oh yeah, I got one. These are ones with a, a monitor on them. All oh, right. Okay, so that potentially could work, but the bezels are super thick. And the reason they are thick is because you end up handling it. You end up moving and holding it with the side of your arm. You don't want to be touching and triggering any kind of capacitive or, or touch sensitive elements of it for that purpose. So the reason tablets are similar, that, or ideally you actually want a bit of a, a lip to it, a bit of a, a bezel um, to your tablet for that specific purpose. Right, fair enough. Then you do get some manufacturers, and I was under, I sort of, I mean, of all of them, there's one by Asus, there's one by Dell. In fact, there's a couple, but of the ones that have nice thin bezels, um, is one by Asus, one by Dell. Um, I didn't look at any of the other manufacturers. The idea was, especially, actually, I ended up focusing quite quickly onto Dell. The advantage with Dell is that they have a large sort of business aspect. You see, like a lot of businesses. All their stuff is Dell. They all, all the employees have Dell laptops. All the monitors are Dell lap or Dell monitors. Um, they seem to be better in terms of that sort of business. Um, uh, what do we call it? maintenance programs and repair programs? Um, you know, discounts and things like that. And for us, then I think that would probably work out. Now I haven't. Uh, it would be a sort of a next step for us is looking at what would be the cost of, of said system. Yeah, no, we, I mean, we need to make, yes, but we've really kind of established we're gonna take the cost. So even if the the monitor, I'd say if, if the monitor's the right size and the monitor's got the right bezels, yeah, exactly. So if it's the right, if it is what we need it to be and it costs a little bit extra, I think it's a price knock we can take for the design. We obviously not go, you know, I mean, the one I saw was, I think it was around, uh, eight grand or, or five grand. Uh, I think it was, might've been one special, but again, that was just for a single monitor. If you approached her and said, I, I need multiples of these, I think you'd be able to even get it for a better price. Um, I haven't got the price written down on me for whatever reason. I thought you did your homework. Yes, I did some of my homework. Not all of it, the rest of it I'm making up as I go, obviously. It's the way we always do it. It isn't, it's just podcasts. We make it up as we go. Anyway. That potential one there has a bezel of, it's a couple millimeters. Now, it's a difficult thing to sort of get a perspective of. So this is image number two uh, I've generated. Uh, this one I'm gonna show you on, on the monitor here on my laptop rather than actually having drawn it out. Um, 
So what I've done is basically taken the dimensions they provide. There is a lip on the bottom. So that, that lip is, is a sizable size. Um, I think it's about um, 15 millimeters. I think if I measured it correctly. The website does give the dimensions um, of it. If we then start fitting them together in the sort of style and arrangement we're looking at, it then basically, well, I mean, it bezels are meaningless. Yeah, exactly. It almost merges. The image is almost completely uninterrupted. But yeah, there is. There is gaps there, sure. But it's it's actually not too bad. So, I mean, well, so for those of you that are listening, what I've done is um, put it all together and then stretched an image over it and made the sort of screen in inverted commas transparent. Yeah, so we could see what it would look like if it was a single piece. Exactly. And these are 27 inch monitors. They're 1080p resolution. So it's uh, HD. Oh, okay, well, I mean, uh, that should be fine. I think for the purposes of, of this, it's fine. Also, we then, once we start putting them all together, and certainly on the table, if you've got a six by six thing, it's, what is that? I think it's 6K. I think technically that's the way that definition works. You'd have a 6K screen on your table. So really good. It would probably increase in terms of processing power, but it's certainly, I mean, we don't go less than 1080p for our individual monitors because we're pulling those out, but we don't necessarily want to go 4K because now we've got the, the processing required in order to handle that becomes exceptional necessarily where it's just more handling. Although I suppose it depends on how we end up doing um, any one aspect. Agreed. Anyway, so that's it. I would say that, you know, here we can show here what happens if instead of going a depth or width of the table of two monitors, we go with the three or more, the bezels then start to interfere and then that, that bottom lip on the monitor then becomes an issue. Yeah. I mean, it's not too bad. It's workable. It is fundamentally workable. But my thought is, and it's maybe something to discuss at a later point, is the idea that we have two different styles of monitors. Our edge monitors are the touchscreen ones. The center ones are just display purposes only. It would potentially interfere with the whiteboard style, but I think the point is, I, I, I think I can find, uh, it's the second part of homework, I haven't done it yet, um, a, a monitor that's not touchscreen that has very thin bezels. Then have those in the middle, not touchscreen, and have the bottom and the top as touchscreen. But thinking about it, yeah, I think if we have that against the wall, that's going to be a bit of an issue because it means you can only input on the wall monitor at the bottom. Yeah, I didn't think of that. All right. Well, we, uh, let, let's look at the ergonomics. We've got the ergonomics. I think we're, in the next episode, we're discussing ergonomics, maybe the episode afterwards, and how it then all kind of fits together. So maybe we have a look at it then and see what happens. All right. Yeah. All right. Well done on doing your homework. Well, I think, well, yeah, thank you. Uh, I think we've got our monitor now set up, ideally. I mean, it's got actually little bits and pieces, got little USB ports and things, which means if you pull your monitor out and you're using yours separately, you can plug a flash drive in or something. I think there's a lot of inherent advantages to that. It's also all built into one. It, it's it, We just need to run cable power and signal to it. There's nothing really much more needed than that. Maybe um, an extra cable for a USB hub of sorts or, or something like that. But everything else fundamentally is, yeah, you would in order for that, that the USB ports. But I, I think going this direction has long-term advantages for us. So we can then, once the product is manufactured, it's out on the production line, we can basically then 
uh, set it up in such a way that we learn the mistakes and our monitor, if we stop making our own monitor, then can be more fine-tuned towards that. While otherwise, or at least in the meantime, then we can make sure our mechanism works, our table works, our signal processing, the software, all that works, and our input system is then what we call, I mean, a big inverted commas here, flawless or, or less like or less prone to, to failure. It's not the one that we are prototyping essentially um, in some form. But that we think, I think we're not gonna, I don't think we're gonna get the project that far in terms of let's make it necessarily. We'll probably cut it short at that. This is a good enough point to now start sending for manufacturing, we'll probably cut it short at that point. But it's good to be aware of it in the future to say we're substantiating it by saying this is the monitor we want and then this is the monitor we might end up going for, but this is why we haven't gone for it now. And I think that holds up. I'd say so, yeah. All right, well, if you've got any suggestions, maybe something I've missed, maybe a, a monitor I did not potentially see, well, please do let me know. Um, yeah, I mean, you're doing your work for you. Yeah, they are doing their work for me. Anyway, I mean, so why not? Testingdesign at gmail.com. Otherwise, thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.